to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. Today, we have Jason Atkins on the show, who has a number of different businesses, including Big Trend, which is a virtual CFO advisory type business, a blockchain business, and also Cake Equity, which is a SaaS. Jason is a fellow Gold Coaster like me and also originally an accountant. Welcome to the show, Jason. Yeah. Hi. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy talking to other accountants who are doing interesting things. And you started out as an accountant, but are now doing quite a variety of different things with different businesses. So do you want to start with a little bit of your backstory and then go into the different businesses that you're running? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, first off, just say thanks for having me on, Meryl. I'm a big fan of yours and Bean Ninjas and we've known each other for a little while now. I think we first met a few years ago. I think I found you. You were like a CPA and you surfed and you lived in my suburb. <laughs> it's like, okay, great, let's meet. So I guess that tells you a little bit about my personality and who I am. So I'm just always trying to find good people and good opportunities and make things happen. You know, and I really rate, you know, what you guys are doing and I'm happy to be here and hopefully I can give people a few useful ideas in this talk. But, you know, going way back, so I'm from the Gold Coast and I became, I worked in accounting here on the Gold Coast, you know, just doing public practice. And then I went to London and that was like a huge thing for you know, a Gold Coaster to do. It's amazing the opportunity that they give you there. You know, one minute you're doing monthly financial statements on the Gold Coast and the next minute you have like a 50 million pound sales and marketing budget for a multinational. And then, you know, if you put the big effort in while you're there, it's an amazing place to be. So while I was there, we were there for nearly five years. My wife and I, um, I did my CPA there and that was obviously a challenge to work and travel and do the CPA and all that. Like that was pretty heavy. We did that for five years and I spent three years working at MasterCard and looking after the UK, Ireland and Nordics for a range of different financial disciplines from, you know, management accounting, financial accounting and regional planning. And I got a fantastic exposure to, you know, some very high-end operators and systems. And yeah, so that was pretty phenomenal. But like all things... European base, they normally come to an end. So we're back here on the Gold Coast. It's a pretty big change going from London City to the GC. Yeah, so I took up surfing because that was like the best thing I could find about the Goldie at the time. That's been a bit of a journey. And I've spent five years working for a single family office. So working as a CFO and chief investment officer for a big family private wealth fund, essentially, for five years. It's called the Zup Property Group. So that was really amazing role. You know, just continued to develop my, you know, financial and investment and people skills and things like that. And then, but I guess I always kind of wanted to be in business, not so much do the finance. And after, you know, 10 years of learning the finance aspects of the business, I started pushing into operations and HR and stuff like that at, at the Zup Group. But I always wanted to be like my own, I want to own my own businesses and make my own decisions and make my own way in the world. And so then I started learning the different skills that I felt like I needed to learn to become a CEO. Yeah. So then I started a little startup on the side when I was at Zup 
it was in the aged care space because my wife had some interest in that space and she was on maternity leave and she was kind of bored. So we started a little startup. The main reason I did that was so that I could learn about digital marketing and sales and websites and just generally do something very entrepreneurial. And then that sort of, yeah, and then I had better opportunities. So shortly after that, I left my job and I started Big Trend. The idea behind Big Trend, which was called Atkins & Co. at the time, you can tell the, the marketing journey I've been on. It's the best I could come up with. Yeah, so I started that and that was just, it's a safe place to start, I think, for people coming out of a career role is to use your core skills and then, you know, consult. So I had consulting clients. I was into tech, so I did tech stuff, mainly innovation companies. Yeah, and so then I tried to productize that a little bit, a bit like you guys do at Bean Ninjas. I had, and I still do, you can see them there, like different size, the three different sizes of the products where I tried to give clients what I thought was the right level of CFO for where their business was at. And that was around, you know, strategy, risk management, performance management, you know, reporting and things like that. Yeah. And then I met some obviously very innovative people during that time and kept growing and learning and working away into the innovation space. And then I met Kim Hansen, who started my most recent couple of companies with. We started a company called Enhanced Society, which was like a blockchain technology company in late 2017. And so that was in the big ICO phrase that was going on then. And so that was really wild ride. And then um, during 2018, when everything was super weird in blockchain, we pivoted into a much more traditional fintech startup, which is called Cake. And that's where we are now. So I've got lots of questions coming out of that journey so far. And I want to go back a little bit in the story. I think, especially for a lot of our accountants who listen in to the podcast, the transition that you made from CFO to CEO, and you talked about needing to develop some additional skills. I'd be really interested to dig a little bit more into that and then also talk about your transition from CEO into founder or business owner and the other skills that you need to develop. But let's start with the CFO to CEO transition. Yeah, so it's funny. Just this week, I finally became a CEO, which is kind of weird. The guys in the team here at Cake decided that I'm the CEO now. We've got a pretty flat structure of pretty smart people. So it's mainly just because I do all the talking. Yeah, so originally, you know, being a CFO is a very broad role. And I found, you know, I was doing probably what I consider to be 70% of what a CEO does anyway, but as a CFO. So, you know, quite often you're doing strategy and risk management, you're handling the finances, quite often you handle the technology as well, because, you know, a lot of the technology is financial and risk management. And, um, you know, so quite often, and especially if you're, you know, like a strong CFO and you're pushing really hard, you just pick up more and more responsibilities. And so off the back of that, I thought, well, you know, it's not such a huge step to get from here to the CEO role. Like it's still challenging. And, um, you know, I don't think I considered myself a CEO while I was running my own companies. They were very much CFO based things and I was learning very much and I'm still got a long way to go. You know, so the main things I think as a CFO that you need to learn is sales and marketing. Now, look, you can be a very financially focused CEO and have a very strong sales and marketing, like right-hand person, definitely. So probably the biggest thing is like know who you are, like know what your skill sets are, know your strengths and weaknesses and build the right team around you 
and or develop the skills that you feel like you need to be that CEO. So in my opinion, CEO, you've got to be able to talk well, you've got to be able to present, you've got to be able to speak very concisely and clearly and hit a message. And you have to be able to listen very well. I think mainly for me, it's about planning very well, being very good at risk management, being able to sell, communicate and listen. I think, you know, those are the things I've been working on for the last few years. And so, you know, I did a bunch of training. So I did some online training and I just, I decided not to do an MBA. Like that is one way people do it, but I didn't want to learn in the classroom. I wanted to learn on the ground. So I've just been bashing my head against different walls for the last few years, doing stuff, getting it wrong and learning and growing that way. So yeah, I did a bunch of courses, like consulting courses and sales and marketing courses. And I joined some of those groups, you know, like analytics and mouse and those sorts of things. And none of them were quite right for me, but I still learn a lot from them along the way. And it's all been part of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. And then what was that transition like when you first started running your business? You talked about needing to learn some sales and marketing skills and then that transition into the blockchain business and some of the things. But maybe you could talk a little bit more about what you do with the blockchain business and your role and what you, the skills you've been developing there too. Yeah, so Enhanced Society was we were providing project management and software development services mainly to existing businesses that wanted to be in the blockchain space. So we worked with an ASX-listed company. We worked with a Melbourne-based fintech that was operating up in Indonesia. We worked with the Melbourne Mint to create digital gold. So essentially, we were providing the industry awareness and connections and software development skills that these companies needed to enter the space. Yeah, I mean, it was a very interesting and exciting year. And we started out like also helping people to trade because when in 2017, like it was very difficult to even buy Bitcoin, sell Bitcoin, and then all these thousand other tokens appeared and no one knew what was going on. So I was lucky to have a couple of guys on my team that had been doing blockchain for several years. And so we leveraged their experience and networks to take a position in that market. And, you know, so then we spent the whole year trying to build, I guess, awareness and brand and credibility. It was very difficult to build credibility in 2017, 18, because there was just so much variability. There was incredible market forces occurring. And there was very strong regulation risk. It was an extremely challenging situation. So as a CFO, you know, my job was to try and navigate those risks, make sure that we knew where the risks were and that we were, you know, we were going to make it through. I never thought that the market would go down 90%. That was one hell of a tough year to start a company, <laughs> but we've managed to make it through. So I think they say that that's normally a um, good sign for the future. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And so it's part of that business or off the back of that, that you have launched Cake Equity. Is that right? The same group of people? Yeah. So it's really lucky being an accountant. I don't know if you guys realize this, but blockchain is actually accounting technology. <laughs> it has been referred to as triple entry bookkeeping. So we all know about, you know, the debit and the credit and the receipt and the payment and the two parties, you know, record the same payment in two different ledgers. And therefore we know that that's happened, right? And if it's really important, we have an intermediary, like a bank or a stockbroker or or super fund or whatever, right? So this is the old system. It's still the current system. Blockchain is 
you know, the debit and the credit occur, but also the blockchain entry occurs. And the blockchain entry is, you know, for a decentralized blockchain like Ethereum, Bitcoin, it's fully transparent and completely immutable. So that transaction is there for anyone to see forever and it can never, ever be changed based on the current level of computer power that exists in the world today. So it was amazing that we, you know, I was lucky that I ended up being the tech company with blockchain. And then also I was lucky because we decided to pivot into a very highly regulated space where we could use the blockchain in a way that stayed away from all the mess and the risk and was very much, you know, focused towards things that we could work with. So we currently take actual company equity. So if a company has 100 shares, we can make 100 security tokens, which is essentially just a digital asset. And that one, you know, the digital asset represents the share. The digital asset has to abide by the same rules that a share has to abide by. Everything's registered with ASIC, you know, in Australia. And essentially, you know, we're just um, exploring the concept of creating digital assets. But Cake itself is much more of a fintech play. Blockchain really isn't super critical for us right now because the market's not quite ready for blockchain. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scene, which we're closely monitoring. And if and when the time comes to leverage those assets and relationships, we will. But for now, we just simplify companies managing their equity. We make it simple and fast. So whether companies want to raise capital faster, manage their investors, issue shares to employees or trade shares, that's what Cake is for. So there's no more emails or version control issues, spreadsheets or forms. Cake simplifies and automates all that stuff. So it's one of those fintechs or modern apps that just take antiquated systems and make them much faster and simpler. That sounds really interesting. And actually, it's say, I remember some of the pain points back when I was in practice around asset forms and shares. So I can see that having modern technology that makes that really smooth would be really useful. That sounds like a tra- quite a transition from running more like a consulting business and then having the blockchain business to now this sounds like a software business or fintech you described it as. And have there been any challenges or lessons learned around running or starting a business that is a fintech-style business? Yeah, I mean, um, like, for example, recently we've more or less had to kill our enhanced society business to be fully focused on cake, which is one thing that we've recently sort of got over. You know, so being a full-blown fintech startup does require some funding. They don't make money in the short term. We've already invested bit in there and you know we need investor support so you know just going through that whole process of being investable and interesting to investors and being ready for that has been really interesting i mean i've been working on that for a few years now in different guises big trend i helped in that space and with enhanced society we got a bit of funding and sort of we're doing that again so you know getting funding is a big challenge and you need to work really hard to fit in the box, <laughs> fit in the right box and, you know, be investable. So that's been a big one. Probably the big one is just solving the right problem. I think a lot of companies in general, but especially startups, they just try and they don't solve the right problem. We spend most of our time in the development side of things, making sure that we're where the real pain is. So when we're talking to our community and our customers, we really listen to them and we don't build everything we think they need. We just build what they tell us they really want. 
and we try and look for the things where they have the biggest pain. Like you were saying before, you know, you remember from your accounting days, I mean, I certainly had this experience many times before. I mean, to do a raise takes, you know, months of ongoing administration from the moment you started to the moment you finish it. There's countless emails, there's countless forms, there's spreadsheets and ASIC and accountants, and it just it really just does go on and on and on and on. And when we talk to our companies, they don't want to deal with it, any of it. They want it all to go away. And that's kind of how we know that we're in the right place. You know, and then when we talk to say, you know, River City Labs or somebody like that, or, you know, the investment bound in Melbourne, they give us the same feedback. It's one of the most difficult things to have to deal with. And so we know we're in the right place. I like the way that you frame that around spending a lot of time identifying what problem you're going to solve. If you're not solving the right problem, you can build something amazing and no one's going to buy it. And then refocusing. Our advisors have been so valuable in that regard. You know, we've had some really top quality advisors that are really experienced and they just kept getting on these calls with us week after week. And this is going to be, it's a bit embarrassing. They'd be like, do you guys even know who your customers are? Who is your customer? No, that customer group's too big. That's too big. Who is your customer? And we had to hone it in and hone it in and hone it in. And then we would say, all right, well, now that you've got a proper customer group, what is their actual big problem? And that's critical. And if you don't know that, then investors won't support you and you can't communicate properly and you can't build the right stuff that people use. You might be able to sell it to them, but then they won't keep using it. So yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that we try and focus on all the time. Wayne and I have actually been, my business partner Wayne, have been recording a podcast series about launching really quickly and we're pushing ourselves to launch products quickly to get feedback to make sure that we're solving problems that people actually care about and want to pay for. So that was a nice segue into that. <laughs> That's great. I love what you guys are doing. If I was half as good at uh, communication as you, I'll, I'll be quite happy. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to take the conversation in a slightly different direction now. We've talked about some of the businesses that you're running and transition from being an accountant to some of the different roles like a CEO and a business owner. Now we wanted to more dig into your personal productivity because you achieve a lot in a day. I've seen the output in the businesses that you've been running over the last few years and you create a lot in a short space of time. So I wanted to understand how you spend your time, if you've got any productivity tips and how you balance work with other things going on in your life. Yeah, good point. I'm lucky I've always had a lot of energy. So I just harness that. I don't know where it all comes from, but I definitely have more than most. But I think you can generate your own energy. So how do I answer that question best? So first of all, I think... Balance is one of my, you mentioned balance. I think it's probably my biggest word in life. I feel like you just have to have things in balance, whether it be between work and family and exercise and getting downtime. I'm always thinking about balance. And the other thing is, you know, prioritization and focus is critical. You know, every day, every month, literally every day, every month, every week, I sit down and I write, what is the most important thing I could be doing? And it's always like, what are my biggest risks? Are my goals well set? You know, what should I be doing right now, this month, this week, today? I do that like every day. You know, I think it runs from the principle of like measure twice, cut once. I think if you're just doing the right stuff, then you can have balance. And so to take that one step further, I try not to work too much. You know, I do spend quite a bit of time with my family and friends. I intertwine my work and play quite a lot, like all the guys here surf and mountain bike and stuff like that. So I get a lot out of the people I work with. 
and the people I like businesses I'm connected to and my partners and stuff like that. So I sort of mix work with pleasure a lot, mix my family, my friends a lot. And so I don't really have like, an, you know, I don't feel overstretched to an extent, even though I do a lot. And the big thing I think, you know, and everybody kind of does this their own way. And, you know, after I had kids and got a bit older, I thought, look, you know, what sort of impact am I going to have? What do I want to spend this next critical decade, you know, 40 to 50? And I came across a concept through a friend of mine, Dr. Clarence Tan, who's pretty big in the Gold Coast innovation space, which is Ikigai. So it's the Japanese concept around, you know, a reason for being. And it's about being the source of value in one's life. And I think if you know where you're meant to be, then even if you're having a really hard time, if it's really, really difficult, you can still get it done. So Ikigai is like the center of, you know, what do I love? What am I good at? What can I be paid for? And what does the world need? So I analyzed all of that and I decided to do what I'm doing and that helps a lot. That's a great answer and a good answer from an accountant or someone that thinks about things analytically. I like the way you broke that down and then yeah, thought about what was right for you. Well, it's almost time to wrap up, but did you have any parting words, key points that you wanted to share with the audience before we wrap up? Yeah, sure. So I guess today's themes, if I just go back to the theme, so cake and service businesses to SaaS or CFO to CEO, around that stuff, I think it's just about always learning, knowing like who you are, what your strengths and weaknesses are and where you want to go. And then, you know, working out, like just building strength around that and probably just like James Altucher is another guy that I spent some time like just following back in the day. And he had this concept of just getting 1% better every day. So if you're on a growth journey and you're trying to get 1% better every day, then, you know, you're probably going to have a really good time. <laughs> Love that. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Jason. It's been a pleasure. No, fantastic, Merle. Always great to speak with you and I look forward to catching up with you soon. By the way, if you want to support to get paid and make better decisions, we've put together a zero small business toolkit, including cash flow forecast templates and guide to setting up zero. Grab it for free at beingninjas.com slash zero toolkit. And that's X-E-R-O-T-O-O-L-K-I-T.